0: Comunidad, welcome back to Radio Teco News, a podcast of the legacy San Francisco-based community bilingual Latino newspaper, El Tecolote. My name is Alexis Terrazas, Editor-in-Chief, and in this next episode, we are joined by Nicole Santamaria, Executive Director of the San Francisco-based organization ELA para Translatinas. For more than 25 years, Ella has been advocating and seeking justice for the transgender community. In this episode, Nicole tells us about her journey and the ever-important work that Ella continues to do in the face of rising transphobia. Nicole Santa Maria. Thank you so much for being on our show today. And before we get into this conversation, my first and most important question. How are you today?
1: Thank you, Alexis, for these conversations that we're going to have. I'm doing great. I appreciate this space to talk a little bit about our community, to talk about a huge part of my life that is for me. Ela para Translatinas is not only a work or a job. It's basically part of my life. And yeah, it's very close to my heart. So thank you for the invitation to talk about Ela para Translatinas.
0: Beautiful. And and before we get into the to the work that you all do at Ela um we would love to learn a little bit about uh, yourself uh Nicole uh where are you from and how long have you been in the city and um and in your role as ed of ella
1: yeah thank you well my name is Nicole Santa Maria and generally I said that I'm a triple i <laughs> so I always say that I'm an indigenous I'm an immigrant and also I am an intersex woman from El Salvador so I fled El Salvador in 2015. I arrived first to Washington DC, the nation's capital. I lived there for about two years. And then I was uh, awarded with a scholarship at UC Berkeley. And I moved from Washington DC to the Bay to attend grad school. And I graduated in 2020. I've been living in the Bay for the past five years of the seven years that I've been living in United States and yeah and i I started first uh, working in another lgbtqi organization that works with survivors of domestic hate and police violence here in san francisco as well Uh, i worked there for two years and the opportunity or the opening for the um the executive director of forella started and I've been doing, uh, or I've been working for Ella as an ED for three years now. I started in June 2019. And um, basically six months later, I was uh, working in a new organization, in a new position, because I am an art therapist as a profession, and also I am a product designer as a profession. And... Um, so I have never been an executive director before until this time that I had the opportunity. And it has been a very, a, a very interesting, but very a beautiful experience for me. So three years in ELA and almost two years during pandemic.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, felicidades. I can't imagine, you know, running this organization has been easy. Um, especially, I mean, any day, but especially during the pandemic, um, I'm curious, what are some of, like, the, um, I guess, unique challenges of, of working uh, in, a, in an organization this important, um, you know, during uh, a pandemic?
1: Yeah, you know, El Para Translatina Latina, it's the only trans Latina-led organization in the entire San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. so... Uh, the word areela para translatina it's very unique and very needed you know in in not all, not in times of pandemic or in times of you know uh, difficulties but in general because the immigrant community the gender diverse trans community and monolingual spanish community are three to five times um more in a, more likely to experience different types of violence. So when you embrace different identities as a gender diverse community, immigrants, you are in a very in a very in a position of disadvantage. So it is important to mention this because the community, The LGBTQI community, but in particular, the trans and gender diverse intersex communities have experienced pandemics of hatred for historically speaking, you know, then the pandemic of HIV, then pandemic of COVID, now pandemic of monkeypox. So we see that pandemics kill people. And that's the same with the pandemic of hatred that the transgender, diverse, and intersex community experience daily. And that's how every single year when TIDOR, Transgender Day of Remembrance, arrived, we have hundreds of trans community members killed because of hatred. So the word that Ela para TransLatinas Uh, With this unique population, it's very important to to address, to give more responses, and to protect our communities, not only with the uh, health uh, hazards that we all the general communities suffer, but also, in particular, the most vulnerable and the most marginalized and the underserved communities here in, in the Bay Area that we are located, but also around the world.
0: Mm-hmm. My goodness, yeah. The way you phrased it, um, a pandemic of of hatred. That that really is what it is, and we're seeing that now. But you also mentioned that historically, uh, we've we've seen that. Um, I myself, you know'm um, uh, my family is from Mexico and you know I feel like a lot of folks um, whose family are from Latin, Latin America or you know who, uh, who are from Latin America themselves are familiar, right with the various phobias and, and prejudices that have that have historically existed in in these places, right. Um, I'm curious as to like the kind of uh, you mentioned a little bit of the of the work, but how, How do you continue to uh, to remain hopeful and and energized in creating like community um, in this constant during these constant um, pandemics of of hatred? Uh, I'm curious as to like maybe some of the specific works that you all do to to remain, um, you know, uh, to build a tight knit community, but also to protect yourselves. Uh, I'm curious as to like the specifics of the work Elad does.
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, we are a very unique program. So we have created over the years an holistic program because we know that everything that uh, impacts the life of a trans, intersex, and gender diverse person, it is, it's not coming alone. It is uh, different varieties of hazards, uh, dangers, that a person experiences in their lives, you know? So, for example, we said that we cannot provide, uh, for example, the service directly for responding for a health issue. For example, let's say uh, the pandemic of HIV or STIs. When we are not attending the different needs that this person has, you know, for example, if this person is an immigrant person, if this person doesn't speak the language, if this person don't know or don't have access to healthcare, if this person don't have doesn't have, uh, for example, a legal representation for asylum, uh, or a document that identifies them. So we have created a space that we see the different needs and seen as a person as a whole, but also treating a person with dignity. That our societies, eh, which you have mentioned before, especially Hispanic, Latinx communities, we have been raised eh, with different eh, in the machista culture, we have raised in the heteronormative culture. We have been raised with a very conservative culture that has been impacting life, different lives of people that hasn't, you know, that has diverse identities that doesn't fit in the perfect canon of this or in the boxes of the society has or wants to portray us or direct us. So it is um, for us, the hope that we have, it is our own community. Uh, many of us have fled our home countries of origin because we are seeking safety. We are seeking community. But mostly we are seeking to live, you know, the basic human right of life. And um, we came to different places around this country and United States. And when we arrive here to the Bay Area, we find in Ella a home we have as a safe space that we can be as, and also that we can being seen with the dignity and the respect that all human beings deserve. So we find hope in the same community because Ela para Trans Latina, it's very unique in the sense that not only we are the Trans Latina-led organization, but also our program is all femme, we are trans, intersex, femme community serving and taking care of the community. Uh, Basically, the 90% of our staff has started as a participant, then as a volunteer, and then as a staff member. So we have created spaces that nobody else has given us in the past. So that's why we see uh, different little steps and achievements that we never imagined in our home countries. For example, every time that a trans person receives their ID with the name and the gender mark that represents their really selves, it's a victory for us. When everyone that is a trans or gender diverse, non-binary, intersex people receives health care with dignity and respect, it's also another victory for the community when we see a trans, intersex or gender diverse community in the classrooms, in, job, in jobs opportunities, in work, different workspaces, that's a victory for our community and that's where our hope comes from because a future, a different future is possible for trans, intersex and gender diverse community when the community also works towards human rights and the recognitions of dignity of every single human being.
0: You, you put that really wonderfully and um, the, the, uh, the efforts of creating a community that hasn't always been there. Uh, I mean, I'm curious, Nicole, because you mentioned um, the, the various elements that, can, that make up um, In general, like a very conservative uh, Latino Latinx culture in Latin America. um, How has the process been of trying to educate folks, right? Um, You know, who aren't, uh, who aren't trans, who aren't intersex, who aren't gender diverse to, to exposing them to this different uh, something that breaks away from this traditional conservative uh, Latino culture. I'm, it, has it been exhausting uh, for some folks that have that have never been exposed to this before? How has that process been in, t- in terms of educating folks um, outside of the communities that uh, that you serve right now and that you're building?
1: It is very interesting because, you know, a city like San Francisco, that is very multidiverse in racial, in countries of origin, region, is speaking language, spoken languages. It's, we are talking about different challenges. So when we are trying to create conscious and awareness in different communities that are that don't identify in this spectrum of, of gender identities uh, comes a lot of challenges and a lot of work to do. Uh, we are only a staff uh, eight members of the staff serving more than 300 active participants plus All the advocacy work that we do with, uh, you know, policy makers, uh, decision makers, other members of the community with different backgrounds, Uh, there are different Latino organizations in the San Francisco Bay Area that we have been uh, starting to open spaces, openly uh, first uh, small windows to with the hope to open the door for the LGBTQI, but in particular, the trans, intersex, and gender diverse communities. Because even that there are many communities, in particular, the Latino community, living for years in United States, living for years, or maybe their entire lives here in the Bay Area, that is a sanctuary city And it is portrayed eh, around the globe as a sexual diverse city in praxis that really doesn't happen here in San Francisco. And um, the Latinx community is always the most impacted from different angles, you know. When there are a challenge, when there is a danger or when there is is a pandemic, as we have seen, the Latinx community is the most impacted always. And when there is, for example, hate speeches uh, coming from different policy makers or decision makers, the most vulnerable community is the trans community. So uh, why? Because it is very difficult to work towards a change of culture. Change of cultures doesn't happen from from in a short period of time. Change of cultures happening in a very slow pace, but mostly community needs to be willing to learn. And communities needs to be humble to know that we don't know everything and there are many people i'm saying like uh, we have to and we hear many times say like ah uh, uh, you have to be open-minded you have or people generally say no i'm open-minded i'm okay with that i'm okay with with them uh, you know i support them and etc but for me more of being open-minded is to be open-hearted you know because we are talking about human challenges, human differences, human, uh, you know, activities, and different kind of humanity. That it's the most natural thing to to happen, you know, and that's what makes us human. The diversity, you know, the diversity of cultures, the diversity of uh, languages, the diversity of colors of our skins, you know the diversity of our backgrounds, countries of origin, and also our gender identities that has been existed forever, for, for forever since our ancestors, indigenous in indigenous community, we have different gender identities set up in the in the society and the community. So it's hard because there are many uh, factors like a white supremacist colonialism, patriarchy, capitalism, that are working together to continue pressing those that has been historically marginalized. So it's difficult. It's very difficult to create this awareness, but we're still doing that work because it is important to see that we are not islands, We are not a few amount of people. We are about the 10% of the community who has a sexual orientation, a gender diverse uh, identities. Uh, We are here. We have been here and we are going to continue being here. So We continue doing the work uh, no matter how hard it is because we still have hope that a, a different future can be built and each one of us has the uh, responsibility to put our grain of sand to make these changes.
0: Beautiful. You mentioned something, uh, and I always <clears throat> respect and appreciate when folks bring up like the um, the pre-colonial, um, you know, or, the, or focus on like the capitalistic and colonial impact uh, that that has on the framework that our society is built upon. Because I feel like when um, when I've heard conversations among some folks that don't want to um you know who you know who are resistant to accepting others for who they are they always kind of fall back on this this trope of like oh everybody wants to be queer nowadays when they don't realize that folks have been here for a long time before these even ter- before these terms ever even yeah. existed. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate you bringing out that um, you know as an indigenous woman as an immigrant, um, kind of bringing it back to that like looking at like peeling back this this colonial onion for example or so to speak. Yeah. Way, and I really <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, maybe something that was, you know, considered a victory. Um, you guys were, or y'all were honored at this year's Carnaval. Um, how was that uh, experience? You know, because Carnaval has been going on since the 70s, of course, highlighting um, various aspects of, um, of culture from Latin America. You know, how was that, you know, having that, that platform as Ella para TransLatinas at a, you know, really historic uh, event here in San Francisco?
1: yeah, thank you for that question. You know it has been uh, for the past three years, I think that uh, El para translatina has been shown or it has been seen uh, as the organization that represents a community, uh, starting from the staff, starting from the community who is serving and taking care of the same community. so, I think that uh, this work has started for uh, about since 1993, when Ela was was started and then there was a change in the program because we started as Proyecto Vida Contra Sida. And it was a program that actually was working for trans communities that uh, for the, you know, assessing the uh, pandemic of HIV. Uh, Then the program lost its funds and then changed, you know, then changed to what we know now as ELA. So we have had more than 27 years in the community. And um, three years ago when I started was the first time that a gender diverse woman uh, got the position as an ED. So this representation of the community in the in the main core of the organization has given us the opening from different spaces that in the past we didn't have access you know and i think that this recognition or this award and being guest of honors for a carnival that has been happening since 1978 so 43 years that this historical carnival happens here in the San Francisco Bay Area, in particular in the mission, in this part of the mission that has been historically Latino, uh, this has been historically queer, Latino queer, um, and where it has been the house for trans women in particular, uh, here in the Bay Area, I think that it's a step for the recognition of our identities, the recognition of our existence, and the recognition of the work that we have been doing in the community, not only as, you know, uh, oh, the trans. No, we have been active members of this community. Uh, In the past, uh, for example, I said it uh, during carnival, today, we are not behind the scenes decorating the carrozas. We are not behind the scenes doing the makeups. We are not behind the scenes sewing the clothes, the costumes that are being used in the in the in the you know in the in the carnival and the parade. We are not behind the scenes for the first time. So this recognition and bringing us to the light. It is a step of recognition of the dignity and the existence and the recognition of the identities that has been present for years in different spaces that are cultural for everybody. And we are essential part of the culture of our countries. So it is it, it was it was a beautiful experience, I I must say. It, the community enjoyed that parade so intensely so it was a a moment of joy for the lgbtqi immigrant latino community but mostly for the trans community latinx and immigrant
0: wow yeah um no it's it's just uh, i love hearing you um express that. that that was really wonderful and you know, you mentioned something about visibility and and stepping out of the shadows and and into the light. And uh, it seems like now, you know, there is a a space for, you know, uh, actors and actresses to come out and be who they are, right? Athletes to come out and be who they are, creatives to come out and be who they are. It seems like we are in a moment of of real visibility. Um, And unfortunately, uh, we also see these uh, these awful powers that be that tried to force folks back into the shadows. Right. And we're talking about we're seeing legislation in, in wow. certain states that are targeting trans youth. We see athletes being or trans athletes being banned from from certain sports. Um, and even kind of just people who are trying to connect, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, doing storybook readings, you know, the story of Panda Dulce, yes. uh, who was doing uh, a storybook reading in San Lorenzo, getting uh, getting harassed and attacked. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like there are a lot of these really negative forces out, and, uh, and even to, like, not just policymakers, right, but you have, of course, you know, a comedian who won't be named, you know, continuously attacking trans communities, and and, and certain podcasters, really popular ones doing the same thing, you know, in this climate, um, you know, how do you see this climate right now, Nicole? Um, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the pandemic of hatred that has, has been around for a long time. Um, but yeah, how do you, how do you see this, this current climate, um, even here in the supposed sanctuary city of, of San Francisco?
1: You know, um, yeah. I I must say that trans communities has been historically under attack. We see this around the globe. We see this every single year for the amount of murders against trans communities, in particular trans women and in particular trans women black trans women. So um, this is a health issue. You know, the hatred is the the phobias against gender-diverse communities. It's a health issue. And the most uh, terrifying thing is that nobody has named this or n- nobody is naming or phrasing or giving the language that it should have that this is a disease. So... Hate is a disease in our communities. Why a disease? Because they hate, kill people. So in how we are perceiving that people, as you mentioned, there, there is always, a, you know, there are different forms of violence. So the not recognition and not naming violence as it is, a violence, an attack towards someone, it's very uh, terrifying. Because if we are not, na- if you don't name something, that cannot be addressed. Or it's not addressed in the way that it should be addressed. You know. So, for example, if you have an infected wound and you don't treat that infected wound, and you are treating other area that is not damaged. You're never gonna heal that one, and that's happening when you, we are saying like a the right of free speech. Hate speech is not a free speech, and people confuse that when your when your speech is damaging, is denigrating, is causing harm is maybe the results that your speech is going to cause that someone get killed. That's not free speech. That's a hate speech. And the hate, as I mentioned before, is a disease, a disease that kills. So we have seen this environment, not, I, I I, I wouldn't say that lately, but it has continued and has been increasing because uh, these uh, people who is trying to create laws to create policies against trans community is uh, taking or coming to target communities that are already afraid. And we have you know communities that are saying like oh, When we're talking about immigrants, for example, when we talk about immigrants, people say like, ah, they're coming uh, to steal the job of U.S. people. So when we are saying uh, we need to compare that the oppression system tries to plant the seeds of fear in the community, I'm giving the immigrant context because it's very common to hear, oh, they are, they are stealing jobs to the U.S. people. And everybody is like, a, no, that's not true. You know, everybody is like a... But when we are talking about LGBTQI or trans communities, they say like, a, oh, these people are corrupting their children. That's the, the seed of fear that these community, these people who are trying to create laws or policies are using in the minds of those that are already feared, you know, that has been taught that uh, the diversity is wrong. But they don't talk about other institutions that are really corrupting children. you know, And they are targeting the most vulnerable communities that, there is no there, there are zero proofs that the gender diverse community <laughs> cause harm to, to the youth. But yes, they are targeting the parents. They are targeting the children. And giving these communities the isolation. And that's also a symptom that people don't want to see, an abusive relationship. And these people in power are creating a, an abusive relationship because violence or domestic violence, we know it is kind of a domestic violence situation. It is a will of power of control and control. And that's what makes that happen. And one of the things that they used to use or the aggressors used to use, it is isolation. And when we are trying to isolate a portion of the community, we are still trying to othering. We are saying like they are they. And when we are othering a sector of the community, we are dehumanizing the community. And when we dehumanize a community or a person, easier, easier is that these people or this community or this person is
0: going to be erased and and speaking of like um, erasure right we've seen um, well i want to not go down that path of uh, of uh, or acknowledging the erasure, but also highlighting like the historical uh, resistance, right? And yeah. uh, one of the things I want to um, talk about it wasn't that long ago, and I <laughs> I almost feel embarrassed for admitting this that not that long ago, it wasn't that long ago that I learned about the uh, the nineteen sixty six Compton cafeteria riots yeah. right here um, you know, in San Francisco, right in the and I believe it's in the uh, the transgender district of, of the Tenderloin yes. here in San Francisco. Yes. You know, which was a, a response to uh, police brutality and, and harassment against trans folks there. How do you see yourself, uh, Nicole, and the organization, um, you know, fitting in to that fabric of, uh, of resistance, um, you know, and resistance of like, I guess, you know, creating, you know, communities out of, out of love and joy and the will to, to live um, and with dignity? You know, how do you see yourself um, in, that, in that, uh, that thread of, of resistance?
1: Yeah, you know, it is interesting, and I'm gonna mention something. My pronouns are she and we. And I'm saying she and we. And I'm saying and I'm and I want to bring this into the conversation because why we? Because generally they they are the they we are hearing nowadays the they pronouns, you know, they, them, theirs. So the we in the indigenous community, it is. Our traditional way to speak because we recognized that without the we, the I cannot exist. So nobody is an island and we are possible, our exist, the singularity is possible because of the community. So we are uh, here at ELA, we are empowering our communities to know our history to know the stories, the single stories of our members, you know, because here our organization, it is not a nonprofit. It is actually a home. It is a safe home for those who have already fled their home countries, for those who have left everything behind to start from zero. So the immigrant community, when, for example, the, the, the borders and the fence were saying like a, that a, the past administration was saying that we are going to create a bigger fence, you know, a higher fence and everything. And the immigrant, I'm talking about the entire immigrant community, but in particular, the Latinx community were saying like, aquí estamos y no nos vamos. here we are and we are not going anywhere. And if they throw it away, we are going to come back. So, aquí estamos <laughs> y no nos vamos, y si nos echan, nos regresamos. So, Ela para Translatina has that, you know, chant, very rooted in our core. And the thing is that we have existed forever. And we are here, we are present, and we are going to continue being present. And when, if they kill us, someone Behind us, our youth is going to continue building this road, building this this road that is a road of liberty, not only for the transgender, diverse, intersex, and LGBTQI community, it's for the whole humanity. Because if a single person is not recognized in their single identity, nobody has that right. So... um, I think that it is important to know our stories, our history, and Ella Para Trans Latina has that. We have embraced and we have uh, unified uh, work with other identities, for example, the Black community, uh, the different movements that are around us, that uh, historically, where you're saying like at the Captain Cafeteria in the transgender district, the first the first uh, you know uh, demonstration or this the first act of resistance in the lgbtqi plus community was led by trans women here in san francisco the first were the trans community then was the uh, Uh, you know, the resistance in New York. And at that moment was Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson, a black trans woman, a Latina trans woman, poor, HIV positive, uh, sex workers who were there as well. So our representation and our histories has been there working towards the liberation of the rest of the communities, not only the trans. So that gives hope, that gives a strength as well to continue working towards this uh, ideal world that we wanted. So I think that it's important to mention that the trans community has been a visionary community, a community that is dreaming from a world of a world that everybody can fit, that everybody can has the right to be their true selves, and that everybody has the opportunity to work towards being the fully self that they want to be, not because we have been imposed, it's because it's who we are.
0: I w- I w- There's so many more questions I want to ask you, but I want to be mindful of your time, um, too, so yeah. I'll, I'll be wrapping it up soon, Nicole. I just uh, I just I'm really thankful uh, for you to making the time and, and you know, um, you know, al- allowing us or, you know, yeah, allowing us to uh, for you to share, um, allowing us to hear what you have to say and, and share. I really appreciate it. Um, one of my next questions, I guess, is. Um, I'm debating on whether or not to ask it because I feel like it could go. We could go down another rabbit hole, but um, <laughs> I believe the uh, the first time you and I had scheduled our, inter- our interview was the morning that the Supreme Court of the United States overturned uh, Roe v.ersus Wade, and that was a very heavy day. Um, uh, and I yeah. feel like a lot of the reporting and some of the reporting has gotten better since then, but my sense of it that it was from a very um, kind of cis uh, female uh, perspective lens. Um, you know, and, and since then, more voices have been coming out, kind of connecting the dots to like how this is, um, uh, you know, a fight over body autonomy. And it's something that folks in the, in, in, the trans community are very familiar with. Um, you know, what was your reaction when, when Roe was, uh, was overturned? Um, and, um, yeah. And yeah, what was your reaction and the reaction of your, of, of your folks? Um,
1: no, it has been very, it was a low ball. It was a very sad day because, you know, the hatred has, has prevailed there. And, you know, back in El Salvador, one of the things that I worked was sexual and reproductive rights and especially because El Salvador has one of the worst penalties, is one of the six countries around the globe who has the worst penalties against abortion. And I was working with women that were in jail for miscarriages, not even abortions, and being in periods of time or given 30-plus years to condemn in jail. So... As I mentioned, when the when 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 I think that the LGBTQI plus rights, in particular trans, intersex, and gender diverse rights, are interconnected. There are many intersections with other human rights defenders and other and other, you know, uh, human rights issues, but it's very close. To the women's rights, you know, and you were talking about the, uh, you know, the autonomy of our bodies. We know as a gender diverse community that we, and especially myself as an intersex woman, uh, my rights were, uh, you know, denied since the moment I born, uh, because intersex babies, the great majority, especially the older ones like myself, uh, our bodies were modified when we were babies, hours, days, months of living. So when we don't have the autonomy, I think that that's a way to continue um, perpetuating the patriarchy, the misogyny, the phobias, the different phobias that might might show up in, in in this in these issues. So for me, this was and for me and the community was super sad. In those days, actually, we had the trans march. We had a chance. Also, the sexual and reproductive activists join the trans march as well. So, I think that that's an example of how my chains could look different from the chains of other oppressive communities. But at the end, a chain is a chain. An oppression is an oppression. It doesn't matter the form that it takes. So that's how we talk about unification, working together because we are not that different between each other. When one of our community is suffering, the rest of the community suffers. It's 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 you know it's a, a a ball that is rolling down the hill, and it's gonna hit us, each one member of this community, in one moment or another. So when saying like oh. But they are, you know, creating this hate speech against women. Those are the exactly same hatred because the hatred is the same against women and against gender-diverse community. And transphobia has a high component of misogyny, a high component of uh, anti-body uh, autonomy. So it it was sad. It was sad for our community as well. And we joined PATH and we are joining efforts to face this new challenge and this, you know, retroceso in the uh, democracy and also in the laws and the human rights. hmm
0: yeah, I remember seeing a video uh, that day. One of the things that lifted my spirits that day was seeing a video of the uh, the the tra- uh, marchers for the trans march, and then uh, folks who were um, uh, protesting Roe joining, like the 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 march intersected, and folks started embracing, and that was actually something that was really beautiful to 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 witness that day. Um, and uh, and finalizing this uh, this interview, Nicole, you've been incredibly gracious with your time, and I really appreciate it. I, I want to end it. You know, with something that I, I like to do with interviews, and that's giving you a platform. Um, but I also want to um, mention, like, this is a, a platform for any final thoughts that you have. But also, uh, if folks uh, folks that want to support Ella para Translatinas or volunteer and get involved, um, you know, how do how can feb- how can fo- other folks find you, uh, find the org, and um, yeah, and any any final thoughts.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Alexis. I think that uh, I just want to appreciate your time as well. I want to appreciate the, the Colote. Um, I want to appreciate the community who is listening as well. And as I mentioned, this is a calling to listen not with an open mind only, but also with an open heart and create a spaces of intersections. You know, at the end, we bled the same red blood and we suffer, we cry the same tears. So at the end, it is a human condition. It's a human matter that when one human is suffering, it is important for each one of us to do our part, to take responsibility of this world in the habitants of this world, not only humans, also extended animals, our nature that needs to be taken care and nobody's going to do it if not if it is not us so if you want to follow the work of ella para translatina you can find us on facebook you can find us as well in our uh, webpage www.elaparatranslatinas.org, or in, com. and uh, there is also a link if you want to support in a with with whatever quantity that you have, it's okay. But also we are open that if you want to volunteer as well, if you want to join us in any activity, it is an open space. It is a safe space for everybody. So uh, our we are situated in the heart of the mission and you are all welcome. And if you or someone that you know, it is a trans person, but in particular trans, Latinx, immigrant, monolingual uh, person. And do you think that you need or someone that you love needs us? Please let us know. And we are here for our communities to take care of each other in community. Thank you.
0: Nicole, muchisimas gracias. I appreciate it.
1: Gracias, Alexis. <laughs>
0: As the podcast of the community newspaper El Tecolote, we think hearing from you is important. So please leave us a comment, rating, and share our podcast to other members of the community. Thank you.